Welcome to the best kept secret video cast and podcast from Centricity. If you're a B2B service professional, use our five-step process to go from the grind of chasing every sale to keeping your pipeline full with prospects knocking on your door to buy from you. We give you the freedom of time and a life outside of your business. Each episode features an executive from a B2B services company sharing their provocative perspective on an opportunity that many of their clients are missing out on. It's how we teach our clients to get executive decision makers to buy without being salesy or spammy. Here's our host, the co-founder and CEO of Centricity, Jay Kingley. I'm Jay Kingley, co-founder and CEO of Centricity. Welcome to another episode of our Best Kept Secret show, where I am happy to welcome Stephen McKeon, but you can call him Mac. And Mac is the CEO of MacGyver Tech. Now, MacGyver Tech develops custom software solutions that don't compromise on security performance or user experience for larger mid-market clients. Mac is based in Glen Olden, Pennsylvania, which just happens to be a suburb of Philadelphia. Mac, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you taking time here to chat. And, uh, you know, it's really exciting. Thank you. All right. It's my pleasure. Now, Mac, one of the things every time you look at the news, you're seeing one or more articles on cybersecurity. You're seeing companies of all sizes get hit. You're seeing governments get hit. It is like the technical pandemic of our day. So there's so much ink that is spent on this, and it comes up in lots of conversations that I have with business owners. And let me tell you, typically for the ones that seem to be pretty dialed in and savvy what they're telling me, they are organizing project teams. They're pulling together people to do a top to bottom scrub of their security and their systems. It's a big effort. They get through it. And then I get this tick that box. Everybody go back to your day jobs. We are good. Maybe we'll take a look at this again in a year or two down the road. So Mac, as someone who's got a lot of expertise and experience in this area, what I want to understand is what's wrong with that picture? Well, that's a good approach to start with, but to be honest, to be really effective in this fast changing world that we live in now is you got to do this on a regular basis. Having it one time is good to check that box once. That's where you should start. But honestly, at least every quarter or even less than that will be better. The more frequent, the better, just because of the urgency of how things have changed. I'm sure like have you mentioned there, the news is ongoing. I mean, there's so many companies every single day, almost it seems like there hasn't been a day going by. I haven't seen something flash across the news pages or social media talking about this has been hacked or something happened. And a lot of times they happen because like what you said there, they went and checked that box that one time and said, you know what, we're good to go. And then things change. Um, these hackers are very sophisticated. They're not just doing you know, a one-time using a tool and hitting scanning. They're changing their tactics constantly. They're also integrating things like artificial intelligence to constantly tweak things and find vulnerabilities in systems that maybe weren't when you first did that scan a little while ago, but software is all 
ever-changing system. Uh, you know, your web pages change all the time, your browsers change, you know, your operating system like Microsoft Office and, and Windows, they're always changing. And sometimes what was working before, they made a mistake, they're only humans. And next thing you know, your company's compromised. So that's very common to kind of think that's a misconception about having just a one-time check that box off and think we're good. It's actually an ongoing persistent threat and you have to handle it in that manner. You know, Mac, I think it's also worth appreciating that there are hacker schools out there. There are places on the dark web where you have organizations, by the way, many of whom are state-sponsored by enemies of capitalism, enemies of the United States and other developed countries that are actively seeking to undermine the integrity of our infrastructure. There's enormous sums of money that are being invested in continuously figuring out how to probe and disrupt the defenses that companies have around the security of their system. So this is not something that evolves at a leisurely pace. Is that something you would agree with? Absolutely. And on top of that, most of these hackers that are sophisticated state sponsors are not just looking to come in and hack you. Most of the sophisticated hackers hack your system six months prior to you knowing, because what they do is they hack, they lay low, they gather information, and they find the best, biggest impact to hit you. And it's usually when you hear these big hacks, they happen over holiday weekends. They happen on big days that are probably the worst timing possible for the company that gets hit. But Max, certainly this is an issue that only the large multinationals, you know, the Amazons, the Microsofts, the Facebooks at all, General Motors has to worry about. If you're sitting here, you know, running your own business, you're a small mid-market type company privately held. I mean, why would they come after you when they got these big boys? Well, that is a little bit of a misconception. The be reason being is the hackers know that they don't have the funds or the infrastructure to properly defend them, where they have these huge, sophisticated, and at times teams or legions of a thousand or so in a room going after one target. And they're looking for easy targets, and they're looking for targets to, like you said, disrupt business as usual or capitalism, not just to kind of, you know, steal some money. You know, the misconception is, you, you know, the hacker, what everybody sees on TV and what you kind of think of is, is some kid in the basement wearing a hoodie, a little bit of an outcast. But in reality, these are military, well-trained, really sophisticated teams and units working together in tandem to take down targets in, in unison. And it's almost impossible to defend against them if you don't have the proper defenses up because the normal antivirus and the stuff that you might think is a good defense is not good enough these days. These guys are very sophisticated and have great tactics. And, and it sounds like what you're saying, this is actually a good segue for me, is that a variation of that old story where, you know, you and I are walking through the woods and a big black, uh, black very hungry bear uh, spots us and starts coming after us. And, you know, that old joke is, I don't need to run faster than the bear. I just need to run faster than you. I, I guess my, my, my next question to you is, so given that this one time, let's tick the box, and then we don't have to worry it approach is not the way you want to do it. How should 
companies of all sizes be looking at this area of cybersecurity? Well, first of all, I mean, starting off with that uh, initial scan and this getting a baseline is essential because without that, you won't even know what you're dealing with here. And once you have that baseline, you start kind of doing it at much higher frequencies because on average, I mean, to give you an example, some of the networks that I deal with, every single day I'm getting anywhere from five to 600 hack attempts every single day. So you can imagine they're doing it on that type of a frequency and you only go and do this maybe even once a year, you're really in a way behind the eight ball. They have thousands of times more times they've looked at you than you looked at them or just tried to put up a defense. And uh, the traditional stuff is just not gonna cut it there. So you have to be very proactive and think about honestly as an onion and have multiple layers of security, not just like a firewall and this and that and say, hey, you know what, I got my firewall, I got an IT guy washing it. But honestly, IT is starting to get stretched because it's not really an IT job, this is more of a cybersecurity job and it's a completely different competency. Uh, we are at cyber war. And we're dealing with state-sponsored attacks that are doing everything they can to cripple us. So you have to think about it from that side. And a simple IT person or, 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 or staff is not really equipped uh, in understanding the tools and sophistication of some of these things. So what I'm hearing you tell us is not only is maintaining your cybersecurity an ongoing rather than episodic activity, that you need to have obviously the right skills, but it's also this layered approach. It's not just one thing. It's not the old antivirus software that it used to be 20, 25 years ago. You'd have that on, you say, I'm good. I am protected. That it's really a multi-faceted approach, which I assume is partly systems, but also partly human. And, and, and talk for a moment, some of the things on the human side that companies need to better train their employees about. This is a great point because honestly, I think this is the biggest overlooked area. And you know what a tactic of the hackers use now is they find out that, that the security might be really good and they might have great firewalls and all this and that. But what they're doing is social engineering. So they're using social media and other online services to build profiles on people and their targets. And what they do is they'll impersonate you or they'll try to basically get you to be friends. Honestly, their goal is to click you on some link that you get in the email or a web page that they can compromise your system. As soon as you click that link, game is over. They get in and they bypass all that sophisticated security you might have already. And now they're behind basically enemy lines. And once they get in within milliseconds, they're installing many other things to prevent you from removing them and, and trying to jump to many other systems instantly and you have no idea that even happened until months later when they kind of strategically plan out attack to take down the company financially or by information data any other means but honestly i believe the biggest thing you can do as a company is train your staff and have them educated on what these things are at least at the simplest level of if you see like a weird looking email from linkedin but maybe the logo's off a little bit bring it up to somebody to have them take a second peek because if you don't do that and you just like, hey, I just click it, I got a friend request, that could be detrimental and cost millions of dollars if not close a company because of a simple little click and where that could have been simply avoided by somebody just kind of talking to even your coworker, say, hey, does this look right to you? Or bring it up to your IT uh, department and say, please, I saw this come in. Something doesn't seem right. Could you just take a look at it? And that would save 
a lot of money and costs for a company or individual because of you know, they're getting more sophisticated. They're doing everything they can to get in. And that's what their main objective is. And I think another thing that I, I have run into is if you get a request from someone within your company, typically at a senior level, to send them some emergency funds, wire them some money. And it's not typically part of your standard operating procedure. For gosh sakes, check with that individual. Don't do it by replying to the email request, but get on text, call them on the phone, walk into their office and verify that in fact, this is an authorized instruction because that is another one of these scams where they're impersonating people in your organization to get you to do things, whether it's money or passwords or access that you shouldn't do. Absolutely. And another thing that's even happened, I've experienced in my own company of hiring new staff. They take advantage of that because most people say, hey, we have this new employee. They advertise it on LinkedIn. Next thing you know, I have people impersonating me saying, hey, please change this accounting number or please do this. And it's not me. And I've seen that happen my own self and others. And you know, like I said, the sophistication and the veracity of the sophistication is really increasing at an exponential rate. So you really have to be vigilant to be protected. And uh, it's kind of scary in some senses. I get it. Now, that brings me, I think, to the next question that I've got for you, which is, you know, you've laid out what the problem is. You've laid out how you got to change your thinking in your approach. But in any serious business, you are weighing the benefits against the cost. When you look at the types of things we've been talking about, it's effort. And it's effort in terms of hours. It's effort in terms of probably needing to spend some money. So let's talk about the benefit side. So can you, can you give us any indication, Mac, what you see the benefit to a business who takes proper care of their cybersecurity? Well, I mean, I could speak, you know, from some experiences here and, you know, basically what I've learned, I've been in the front lines of ransomware attacks and um, I've seen how crippling they can be, not just from the financial side, you know, giving example about six months ago, a buddy of mine's business, you know, was helping him out. He got hit with a ransomware. Immediately that ransomware, they locked all the files in a company, made the company inoperable for eight days and one of $100,000 and said, Pay me up. That's one financial thing there. On top of that, the eight days of not having email and able to operate a company, you can just understand how devastating that could be for a company. Like I was there on site hearing all the phone calls come in of the customers saying, are you still in business? I can't get a hold of anybody. What's going on? And you have endless calls nonstop of that. That's devastating for a business. And then once you tell them what happens, they're just like, was my data stolen? Did anything I have of yours get stolen? So it creates this huge reputation loss, huge financial loss, and also inoperability for a period of time. So the best way to think about it is there's some scary statistics online. Uh, you know, just recently I was reading an article saying 60% of mid-sized businesses that get hacked are out of business in six months. If not, right when that happens. And the scarier part is a lot of people think they might be protected by like cyber insurance is a really big thing right now. And everybody's like, oh, you know, I checked that box off on cyber insurance. But here's the flip side of that. Every single one of these cyber companies are overwhelmed and they're doing everything they can not to pay a claim, including the one I was dealing with here. So imagine being a business owner. Now you have to pay $100,000. 
you bring it up to your insurance company and it's like, no, we're not paying. You didn't do proper security, protect yourself. Why am I going to pay you? On top of that, they're overwhelmed with these claims. It's, it's actually worse than the pandemic. It's literally, like you said, the pandemic of businesses. It's this all online. And it's kind of, most people don't think it's a big deal because they don't see it. But it's really kind of a scary kind of a situation. I've never seen anything like this in the last, you know, I've been in this for 25 years. And, you know, this is a really odd time. Now, just to clarify for our audience, your friend, they got the ransomware attack hundred thousand dollars the eight days of downtime are we talking fortune 500 company here no this is as a small mid-level company been in business for 30 years never had any issues has a great reputation i'd say maybe to have about 20 people on staff small small company honestly but those people have had their lives in this company people have been there 10 15 years next thing you know their their livelihoods on the line you know financially devastating also emotionally devastating, I've got to imagine. Oh, um, I mean, you know, like I said, this was one of my friends too. And, you know, I had to coach him through a lot of this. He was depressed. He thought he might lose his business. Here he is, his whole entire livelihood is on the wane of the insurance company paying the $100,000. Thank God I was able to kind of coach him through, help him as much as I could as a friend and say, listen, you know, these are tough things here. We just got to stand our ground, prove this, this, and this, and, you know, do everything I can to support him emotionally because he was a train wreck. Honestly, if I was in his position, I, I think he took it better than I would, honestly. He, he took it really in a, in, a, in a way that, you know, he was depressed and, and upset, but he, he kind of held his cool, which I got to give him a lot of credit. I don't think I would have been able to do that. I mean, to see your life's work go up in flames, to see your legacy, your uh, financial future, but also this, and, and you talked about it, this reputational trust issue. A lot of times when we're running a company, we have real relationships with our clients. If this type of thing happens. There's this sense from your clients that they've been violated and that you're responsible for letting that happen. It, it's truly um, catastrophic. So, Mac, it, it brings up the, the uh, I think, the obvious next question. You know, it's such a strong and compelling case. So if you're a business owner and you're listening to this, what are the three, four, five things that a business owner really needs to do to give them the protection they need to prevent, or certainly, I mean, you can never prevent anything, but to dramatically reduce the risk of getting attacked? I think the number one, honestly, is not even really the technology, is your staff. Get them up to speed, get them some basic cyber training, uh, get them to basically point out things that they think aren't right and really be proactive about this and not just kind of like, you know, uh, hey, you know, we, we trained everybody a year ago. Everybody's good, but you might, we have three new people. Honey. Yeah, I expect other staff to let them know, but that's not really good enough. You have to have everybody get together as a group share their stories and experiences and and also show some good examples of what this could be. Uh, another tactic is also do some fishing exercises, like actually stress test your, your staff and see who's the person who will click on those things. Um, that's another tactic. Um, and then on top of that, the, the security side and IT side, if you haven't had a good vulnerability assessment scan or anything like that, Get one done immediately and then be more vigilant on top of that and have, you know, an independent third party audit your IT company that, that make sure that they're actually doing what they say they're doing. Because a lot of IT companies say they can do cyber, 
but they're not always as proficient at that because of it's such a different skill set. And this because it's technical doesn't mean they can do these other things that are not just technical, but also social engineering. And, and I would think, uh, given you, you mentioned insurance, if you are taking out a cybersecurity insurance policy, you better read the fine print and make sure every I is dotted, every T is crossed, or you're going to find that you don't have an insurance policy. Yeah, you're just paying money to in case something happens and they won't help you. And really what's common, I'm seeing there's only a few of the larger companies that really know what they're doing that are paying out claims. Some of the smaller insurance brokers, especially, you know, it's a very common thing even myself is, you know, I've bundled my packages and my insurances with, you know, like what the one vendor because it gives you a better deal. But me, I used to do that, but now I have a completely separate cyber policy, completely separate from all my other workman's comp, general business insurance, because those types of companies that try the bundle are generalist and not understanding what this is going to be. And they're going to be the first companies to deny your claim because it's not, they're not, not, they're in a business of making money, not in a business of paying out. And the problem is there's, it's such an upside down world in that now they're paying out millions of dollars every single day so they're trying to do everything to stay afloat because if they keep paying all them they will be out of business well mac it's uh on one hand it's a very sobering story that you are sharing with us but on the other hand i think you have pointed the way forward and in a very constructive way how we deal with this so we are going to take a short break we will be right back to learn a bit more about Mac. Are you wondering how much longer you have to grind and chase for every lead conversation and client? Would you like clients to knock on your door so you no longer have to pitch, follow up, and spam decision makers? Well, Centricity's Category 1 program uses a proven five-step process that will help you get in front of the decision makers you need by spending less time doing all the things you hate. It's not cold calling, cold email, cold outreach on LinkedIn or any other social media, or even spending money on ads. But it does have a 35 times higher ROI than any of those things, leveraging your expertise and insights at your prospects and network value. The best part, even though you'll see results in 90 days, you get to work with the Centricity team for an entire year to make sure you have all the pieces in place and working so you can start having freedom of time and a life outside of your business. So email time at centricityb2b.com to schedule an 18-minute call to learn more. Welcome back. Let's find out a bit more about Mac. Mac, let me start by asking you uh, about MacGyver Tech. What are the pain points that you typically address for your clients? And why is it that they need you to get rid of that pain? Great question, Jay. Honestly, I love solving problems. I love doing the hard things that other companies maybe shy away from. And we just like to make sure that you have a lot of connectivity between your applications and data sets where a lot of times, you know, software is siloed between these different things. We like to roll them up and give you the big picture. One, you can see KPIs and analytics and also get the big picture. I think as a business owner, you want to see the big picture because if you can't, how can you properly make good decisions? So that's something I always kind of, this really kind of gravitate towards. We like to do the things that others maybe shy away from or, or, or were unsuccessful in, and we've been pretty successful at it. We love it. My next question, which is I think sort of the follow-on question, and one of 
the things that I tell everybody is a truism in the world of business, which is we don't work with other companies because of what they do. We work with them because they are great at what they do. When you look at your team at MacGyver Tech, what are the things that you think that you and the team are particularly great at doing? Sure. Great question here, too, as well. I guess one of the bigger things is we like to bring data to life. You know, data, you know, an Excel spreadsheet doesn't tell a story. But what we like to do is build really fantastic KPI dashboards that bring that data to life and tell the story in real time of any metric or thing that is important to that business. And I think that's an important piece of things. Um, also tying things together. We're really great at that. Um, and also what makes us a little different in the software world is we really care about security and, and user experience. And I think those three things along with the end and two things with the engineering complement each other. You want to have an ultra secure system. You want it really easy to use and you want it to be nice looking. When you have those types of things in a system, I think people gravitate towards those. Um, I like to deliver excellence. And I think when you deliver excellence, people really appreciate that. Um, I, I'm in it for the long game. We don't have much transactional business. And I would say about 98% of my business comes from referrals. Now, Mac, I, I've had the pleasure of not only talking with you, but checking you out on LinkedIn. You know, you have a very impressive resume that I encourage everybody, go to LinkedIn, see all the things that Mac has achieved and accomplished. But I'm interested in something else. I want to understand the why you've gone down the path that you have in running the company that you are. So Mac, what has happened you know, in your personal life, in your professional life that you could point to as the real underlying reasons why you do what you do at MacGyver Tech? Great question. Well, I guess this is a little bit on a personal level. I come from nothing. I come through very, very um, hard things that most people would never make it through. Little history of me. My father committed suicide. I, I seen much of the worst sides of human beings. My myself had about four times of almost not being here. And honestly, I'm just happy to be here. So I'm trying to be the best human being I can. Um, not only am I driven by trying to make great products and deliver excellence, I'm also a philanthropist. I give back to people all over the world. I use social media to do that. And I've gotten into 180 countries where I'm just helping people that don't have what I have. I, I just find that that's, that's very fulfilling to me. And that's part of my mission here on this earth is to try to help others, help others grow, and just do the best I can as a human being. And maybe one day when I'm not here, people will say good things about me. You know, Mac, I'm one of those people that when I get an email from someone, I look at the signature. And I like to see what people put in their email signature. And I was struck by what you put in yours. And uh, I, I wonder if you could share. Sure, absolutely. Uh, thank you for, for picking that. I sometimes forget I put that there. And it really resonates with what I just said. So just to say what my quote is, you know, kind of humbled to say this is, my life goal is to have a big funeral. Please be kind to each other. And that's it. It's like, you know, my goal, you know, it's really simple. So if I have a large funeral and I think about what is it going to take me to have a large funeral, that means I have to impact a lot of people in a very positive way. i got to maybe change the world for the better or do something for people that is, you know, really struck them in a very emotional or great way. It's not about how much money I make. 
the money is just a tool to allow me to do these good things. And that's kind of something that really resonates with me. I want to be somebody that's just here to help. And uh, like I said, I'm, I feel like I'm on borrowed time. I'm honored to be in the seat. Um, I would never thought I would be in the seat in, in my past going through some of my challenges, but I'm here now and I'm going to maximize my impact and hopefully I'll be successful in meeting what I'm trying to accomplish on the footer of my email. There's nothing that I find more meaningful in what I do than talking to people who are truly experts in the professional domain that they play in, but with that are just terrific, wonderful human beings. And I know that I am not the only one listening in that will share that point of view, Mac, on you. So let me ask the question. I know there's a lot of people who are going to want to be reaching out to you, learn more about cybersecurity, learn more about what you do in the tech world, and frankly, learn more about you as a human being. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Sure, I'll provide a few uh, options. One is my email, which is Mac at MacGyver Tech. That's if you want to kind of directly communicate with me. Another is if you want to see what I do professionally, check out LinkedIn. My handle is Stephen P. McKeon. Um, you can check me out there and see who I'm uh, you know, doing business with and networking with. But also on the personal side, since you brought that up, is you know my Twitter handle. I have two of them, actually, and I use both of them to reach out and, and pay people and help them with food or money, whatever it is, all throughout the world. I believe I'm in 180 countries, and I, I can't even believe that. Um, but my handles there are both uh, MacGyver Media, which is my formal name of the company, and the other one is MacGyver Tech 01. Either one of them, you can check me out in there, and they're both related to what I do um, and you know, get to see a little bit of my philanthropy side. I encourage everybody to reach out to Mac, learn more about him, understand what he can do for you. So Mac, I wanna thank you so much for being a guest on the Best Kept Secret Show. And to our listeners, let's keep crushing it out there. Until next time.